Hello there, my name's James and welcome to Lakeside Drive for this F1 podcast. Uh, as we go through in a pre-drinking coffee fashion, because it's too early to be drinking, surely, unless you can't be, because it's his bloody birthday. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but ahead of the Austrian Grand Prix in Styria. And I'm joined by two wonderful friends. But it's not who you might think. No, no, because witness protection, it seems, is evident in all three of our consistent uh, lakes. I was going to say, I was F1. See, damn it, I already did it. Uh, Lakeside <laughs> Drive fans. Tommy T is not with us this morning because he's uh, saying uh, goodbye to his dad. So big shout out to Hans as he moves across to South Australia. It's the right move, leaving Victoria. Um, congratulations <laughs> on doing that. Um, but hopefully safe travels. To you, Tommy T will be back with us tomorrow uh, to review the race. But instead, we've got uh, Dave Munnis again. G'day, mate. Morning, gents. And the birthday boy himself, the ripe old age of 21 with the best beard in motorsport, Thomas J. Camp. How are oh, you? Thanks. I'm well, mate. I can uh, assure you we had uh, Star Spangled Banner on 6am at my place. We had... Uh... <laughs> Bit of God bless the USA by Levi Sherwood going as well. It's been good. Bit of God and guns by Lynn and Skinner. All things Americana. Campy's birthday. It's looking up. We're having a good time. For so those of you good. asking. We, I also listen to the Whitney Whitney Houston version of uh, the Star Spangled Banner too. Can confirm that is a banging anthem. Oh, <laughs> if For those of you on the Discord asking whether or not we're going to the USA for the Austin race, uh, evidently all we need to do is go to Campy's place and we'd have the same kind of vibe, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but happy birthday, mate. It's uh, great Thank to you. chat to you on happy your birthday. birthday. Thanks for taking out uh, some time to discuss what is an absolute disaster for Daniel Ricciardo. Um, <laughs> but we'll get there, won't we? So uh, the first bit of news, lads, to talk about is that Lewis Hamilton has signed for another two years and he's done it a hell of a lot earlier than I thought he would. Campy, your thoughts on him signing so soon? Uh, yeah, good, good. He's hungry. We've seen him this year. He's, uh, he's, he seems to have the attitude back that he wants. He wanted competition. He's now got it. And I think he's uh, he's not driving as well as he wants to and the team's not producing a car on track as well as he wants. But, um, yeah, he's a competitor, isn't he? So I think signing on after the first seven or eight races we've had this year, for him in his own mind's going, yeah, I can just prolong my career. This year is the closest thing he's had to what he's really wanted in terms of uh, competition and he's – Chomping at the bit for it. So why not stick around for another two years? Yeah, absolutely the right move. Uh, it's right for Lewis. It's right for the team. Uh, he's 77 wins there, uh, 100 career polls. It's just a no-brainer, really. Um, $147 million in the back pocket. You're getting Ooh. a brand as well. And who knows, does he spend his next two years teaching um, George Russell how to drive that car or does VB stay and make his life easy? That's that's a question. Lads. Well, Manus, here's a question for you. There's been reports time and time again that Lewis Hamilton has said that he wants Valtteri Bottas as the other driver in Mercedes, but uh, does he carry that kind of weight going forward? Does Toto pull the trigger and maybe and pull George Russell in? Because... Now that we've seen Lewis look so dejected like he did after qualifying, sitting in that car for such a long time, almost scratching his head if he could through the visor, 
it's not really the same Lewis that we've seen in terms of a dominating stance that has been the last couple of years. I think there's got to be a balance of what Lewis wants. Certainly Lewis probably does want VB to stay, that known quantity, as I said. But for Mercedes, it's what do, what do they want? Is VB contributing enough to the constructors? If not, then it's time to get George in. Uh, and as I said, that legacy of when Lewis finally does leave, do they want George Russell to have spent two years alongside him? Lewis, that is, learning the trade, learning how, you know, from the best, possibly the best ever to have driven a car. Um, so certainly, yeah, it's we, we're not privy to how them contract discussions went, so we don't really know. We don't really know how much, say, Lewis has over his co-driver. But yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. And that's, that's the contract we're all waiting for is VBs to see if he stays, goes, or... And certainly, yeah, you said Lewis looked a bit dejected, um, he, uh, as he should be. At Lando Norris, that that's a Mercedes powered car in front of him. So, yeah, we'll probably talk about that in a bit. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting, interesting race. Uh, and of course, the other bit of news, gents, is that uh, we've changed our name. Uh, it's no longer the Oz F1 show or Oz F1. It's Lakeside Drive. And if you're not part of our Discord, the main reason is we're trying to keep in the good books of Formula One management. Uh, there has been too many occurrences in really in the last couple of months of them cracking down on F1 in people's names, basically. And as much as Campy wants to fight them in the face, Stefano Domenicali and Campy <laughs> in the ring, um, it's easy to do this. Uh, but what it also does is it allows us to grow... Uh, our podcasts as well. And um, if you're listening to this right now, what you're actually listening to is the Lakeside Drive MotoGP podcast lineup. That is right. I am pretending to care about motorcycles. And in a couple of weeks with these two wonderful gentlemen, we're going to be doing a MotoGP podcast. We're very excited for that so we can talk more about Jack Miller. And there's also some other great Australians in the junior series there as well. Campy, Motorcycles, you finally get a bloody platform to talk about it. Yeah, well, I watch this stuff anyway. I'm a bit of a bit of a motorsport nut. Uh, it won't be all things MotoGP. We'll probably have a chat about some of the MXGP and uh, the uh, nationals over in uh, the states as well. So that's good. Um, yeah, we've got Remy Gardner coming up in Moto Two. He's uh, superstar Australian son of Wayne, who I thought Wayne won a world championship, but he didn't. He came second a couple of times, but I think he had 50 podiums, 52 podiums or something in 100 races. So great strike, great good rod. Uh, it's good to see his son's doing things. Uh, yeah, it'll be exciting. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Just, it just means that there's a hell of a lot more couch time than I normally would have on the weekend <laughs> watching all the – I mean, the thing I love about Matt, there's like three practice sessions of qualifying and a warm-up. That's like, come on, for three categories. Seems to be on for about – 36 hours of television <laughs> for the whole weekend, which drives me mental. But anyway, we will watch it. We'll have a good time and we'll uh, love it. So, yeah. Manus is going to be our uh, default uh, weather person for everything now as well. Um, didn't go well for you last time, Manus. Are you uh, planning on talking about weather at MotoGP or commentators cursing anything else? No, we don't talk about weather anymore. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully, maybe later today. But yeah, we'll see. It rained last weekend, just one hour after the race. Yeah. Finished, so 
Lola shit the bed last week. I, <laughs> I was hoping my positivity would uh, bring it in, uh, but sadly, I let everybody down. So, anyway, there we go. Uh, that's <laughs> great. Well, there you go. So, that's the reason why we've changed our name. Um, you don't have to do anything. Hopefully, this has just landed into your podcast bits and pieces. Um, and you can find us all of the description in the description rather below. You'll find the updated socials and everything else. All right, lads, let's talk about uh, practice and then qualifying. Um, Stroll just having not a great time out. Ooh, three spins in practice one. It's uh, which actually didn't line up with then how they their qualifying pace because I thought they were going to be a hell of a long way back. But uh, Campy, they actually got it a little bit together. Very well, oh, they did by qualifying. Geez, that uh. That Aston Martin showing some genuine pace over one lap and some race pace. I mean, we've seen the race pace over the last three or four races, but they've been lacking on that one lap pace. And uh, Stroll and Vettel outperformed that car this weekend. Uh, Vettel, it's just consistency for him. But um, Stroll's having those one in five races, I think, pulling together. But he was struggling in practice one, which is strange. I mean, these guys are amazing drivers, professionals, as we know. But to race on this track all of last weekend and then come out four days after the race for practice and spin three times in the first session, you've got to wonder what's going on. Um, so it just shows you how much different these cars are weekend to weekend at um, at some tracks and they're trying different things with setup, et cetera, and tyres. And, and I think you, I believe he's on the uh, new tyre compound for next year as well. So, hey, struggle, but, mate, uh, the, the, Mate, this mid-back is so close this year. I think qualifying, the top 15 was within seven-tenths. Yeah. The top the top five or the top six was in two and a half, and I think it was four and a half separated the top ten. So I oh, love to watch that stuff. Um, but it just shows if you're, if you're one, one to two-tenths out, you're going to be falling down the grid consistently. So yeah. it's not for, good for our boy, but, um, geez, it's great TV. It's great to watch at the moment. It's Bloody exciting. Yeah, that, this might segue into um, the next topic, but uh, Stroll and Vettel are both starting on the softs. How do you think, can't be that's going to impact their race? It seems, sounds like anybody that starts on the softs tomorrow in the top 10 is really going to battle. Well, I, I believe they, so they say, uh, if you start on the softs, it pushes you into that window of two stops. Now, I think the best thing that Aston Martin can do is commit to that two-stop really early. So I'm talking lap seven or eight. As soon as those tyres show a, a, a two-tenth drop-off from their previous lap, get them in, get them into clean air at the back. I um, mean, because of this track and how small it is, you're always going to get some traffic. But if they can get, you know, a 20, 25-second gap at the back and then charge through and make that time up really quickly, I think it'll pay dividends. They've got to commit and they've got to go early. You can't be umming and ahhing about trying to do a one-stop or trying not to. I just think you've got to commit to it. Uh, I think for Danny Rick and the Ferraris who start outside of that, they'll be looking to start on the hards, I believe, and go super long. So they're complete opposite of the strategy. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But we've seen, haven't we, that uh, Aston Martin have actually got their strategies right in the last couple of races, especially with Stroll and Vettel. I mean, they the fact that Seb managed to get that podium in Baku wasn't just pure luck. It was the fact that Aston Martin not only have got a car that putting well together and, of course, not suing to get performance, just actually getting performance. Um, it's that their team is, is just getting better and better as well. Um, even if BWT 
water bloody bottle drink thing wants it to be a pink car again because apparently that makes it more attractive on television. Can we just, can you just not, mate? Can you leave the British Racing Green Aston Martin alone? No one cares about your brand, all right? You've sponsored the Austrian track and it looks terrible. Just leave it there. Anyway, <laughs> the Aston's doing a lot better than uh, sort of almost at that same sort of Red Bull level in terms of strategy, which is really important for that midfield pack. Yeah, I'll play devil's advocate, but they have started outside of the top 10 and they have had preference on the tyres, which in the last two or three races, um, it's been advantageous to start on the harder rubber or get the choice at the start. So, I mean, it's devil's advocate, but, you know, they have got the strategy right when they need to and it's good for them. So, uh, but, you know, I don't think sometimes it's indicative of a pace because you qualify outside the top 10, you get the strategy that works better, as opposed to the guys like your Alonzos who qualified between 7 and 10 and, and lost out already because they made the top 10. So it's it's one of those ones, but, um, yeah, you're right. Mate, their pace this weekend's been good, and hopefully they, for them they get the strategy right moving forward too. As a team as well, you know, Aston Martin keep, keep building. We know they're a small team, but – They've signed, uh, is it Dan Fallows, the head of Arrow yep. from Red Bull? Um, and there's a few other acquisitions there from Alfa Romeo. So, as a team, they're building and getting stronger, and they'll certainly be uh, a, a team to contend with next season when the new rules come out for sure, I suspect. Yeah. Now, we had some. It's interesting. We had some. Because Honda, Honda, oh, sorry, Red Bull, Honda have taken all over those Mercedes employees. I think there's, mm. they had to get rid of some of their top guys in uh, motor departments to go somewhere else. So it's a good move for those guys as well. My interesting point with all of this, though, is that we saw at the end, and I think we said this last weekend, we saw this at the end of the um, last era going into turbo hybrid, that they chucked Red Bull, chucked everything at that 20... Um, 15 car, 14 car, whichever the end, anyway, whatever that period was. 12. Sorry, 12. That I was so off. Um, <clears throat> let's pick a number. Is it 2013? Because 2014 was a start, wasn't it? So 2013, Seb Danny Vettel Ricks, won Danny everything. Yes, Seb won everything and no one could come close because, but Red Bull knew that they weren't going to be anywhere near in 2014. And then 2014 came around and they were so far off the pace because they put all of their R&D into the previous year. Now, I have a feeling that potentially we're seeing the same here now. And maybe they've learned from their mistakes in terms of, yes, pulling some people out of that Mercedes power unit and some people from elsewhere to try and mitigate that. But I mean, geez, if you were Mercedes, are you really that focused on trying to get back this year or are you just going to be focused on absolutely dominating next year? I mean, that's just my thought here. It's it's very similar potentially to that Seb Vettel 2013 vibe. No, you got it wrong. <laughs> you got it wrong. No, no way. Mercedes, uh, we've seen the way Toto, Toto talks on Drive to Survive. We want to crush them. We want to dominate them. There's no way he's sitting back after, you know, six races on the trot, not having a car that's been able to win in three of those six races and go, oh, we're giving up and we're looking to next year. They are throwing all their eggs in their basket. They can with an eye on next year as well. But you're limited to um, your wind tunnels that you can run and times and you're limited to what you can do um, time frame wise for next year's car. So, 
they're maxing out that allocation. They've got heaps of people working on in the factory, but then they've still got the same number of people working on this year's car because they still want to win the championship this year. I think in Mercedes' mind, if they don't clean sweep the turbo hybrid era, this year has been a big failure for them. When they really should have. Their car's been that better, that much better than everybody else's for that long. Well, I look forward to them being a failure because Max is definitely going to win this year. Um, (laughs) Rookies, uh, they apparently jumped in the car, Roy Nassani, Callum Eilos and uh, Guanzo, who uh, should be tipped to really be in the hat. Um, Alpine over Esteban Ocon. Uh, My note here says he was only 0.1 second off Ocon on mediums on on a lap. Um, Ocon's really just a dud, isn't he, to take your word, Manus? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not sure what to say about Ocon. No Q, He hasn't reached Q3 in the last five races. That's just not good enough. Um, how he got that new contract, I'm mystified. I don't know. I can see him driving the Alpine hypercar in the next next year. Even he's that bad this season. Wow. Um, you know, on Juan Yuzio, yeah, he looked really good. He looked really comfortable in that car. Um, I think Alpine will want him to succeed. Uh, having a Chinese driver in the lineup, that's got to be good for branding and everything else. For Formula One uh, itself, we'll want to see no, that guy succeed. Bad so, for everybody. Um, yeah. Bad for everyone. <laughs> and he will, he'll only be the second ever uh, Chinese Formula One driver. So, um, yeah. There you go. But I like the look of him on F2. He's, uh, he's very good. Very good. Yeah, he's very comfortable. I mean, obviously, we don't want him to win over Oscar Piastri, but we do want him to win over Oscar Piastri mm. if there's not a seat for Oscar Piastri in F1 next year. I think, Campy, you said that. We're happy for uh, Oscar to just have, have a second year if it means staying in and relevant in that F2 championship. Come second, then come first. Because we've seen, I mean, even Cal Wylott, who is uh, not racing, um, in F2 this year, came runner-up last year doing amazing other things as well. Um, do I mean Callum Eilat? Do I mean someone else? Anyway, some, there's someone that's moved in the Ferrari oh. thing outside and it's you. as soon as you move out for a year, you've got that risk of Schwartzman. not being able to come back and Ocon moved out for a year and the risk is that he's just never been as fast again. Yeah, Eilat's now test driver at Ferrari, uh, yeah. reserve driver at Alpha, but he's actually doing a lot of um, GT um, World Endurance for yeah. Iron Lynx. So... Um, which is actually going really well. Um, I've watched some of that. Um, he is a good driver, but, you know, who knows? Where he yeah, who knows? And look, let's uh, – but, yeah, it's interesting with Ocon and that that pace. And, I mean, we can take it for what it is. Practice is practice, and it doesn't really matter. But he was terrible in <laughs> um, in qualifying Esteban Ocon. Um, but the, the big thing for me, for, for Alpine this weekend, was <laughs> Fernando is bloody on fire. Nando. Campy, talk to us. Unlucky for him. Is, have we heard the official results on Vettel? Does he yeah. get, uh, does yeah, he he get, get three places five penalty. places or ten? Three. three. He's bu- Is that P11. it? P11. P11. That's, that's bullshit, isn't it? <laughs> that's, Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's crap. I mean... Look at Fernando. He was on a cracking lap, by the way. He would have got into um. He would have got into Q three. Uh, three places seems. I, I mean, it's tough. He's waiting. 
I can see it from both sides. Vettel is waiting in a queue. Uh, he's waiting. You know, he's probably been sitting there for the better part of 45 seconds to get his start. Uh, unfortunately, the timing wasn't perfect from both drivers. Um, and it's a shame. And this track's really hard just because of the size of it and those last two turns, the way they peel off, it's, it's just a real shame that there's no there's no way to mitigate what happened at times. So, uh, but three places, I reckon that's a – yeah, that's a – Sainz and VB. It's not it. enough. He should be behind. He should be behind Alonso. That's the way I see it. You know, start one place behind Alonso. Um, anyway – Alonso, he was fuming, but, geez, his Q1 lap was all-time, wasn't it? Two-tenths off the Red Bull. Um, wasn't as quick on the mediums, which he tried. And then his uh, second lap in Q2 on the softs, which would have got him through to Q3, was stellar as well. But he is spanking Ocon at the moment. Oh. Uh, ever since Ocon got that three-year deal, uh, he's just given up. He needs to go, that guy. I think that contract will get ripped up. Very quickly, considering the year he had last year against Red uh, against Danny Rick, and this year against Fernando Alonso, it's bloody clear that this guy doesn't cut it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think the biggest story though is not even Ocon here. It's the fact that Alonso went out for so long, did so many other different series worth of racing, and is getting to grips so much faster than with this car. And, you know, Daniel Ricciardo isn't. You know, I think Danny Rick is the last of the changes that we have given all this other time of people going, yeah, first five races, couple of races, whatever. And, you know, I love Daniel and I think he's the best driver of all time and whatever, I'll put myself out there for that. But really, the, the big story here is Nando and how successful he is being. 2022 for them is going to be mega. Um, although I did feel bad for Seb because it definitely... I mean, yes, he was in the. He could see that he reacted as soon as Alonso filled his mirrors. He yeeted the back of that car to get out of the way as quickly as he could. So that's on Aston Martin. I would talk about how good their strategy was. That was on Aston Martin for really screwing that up and not giving him more constant updates to say, right, oh, it's time to go. Um, Bottas and Sainz uh, saw the jerks as well for similar incidents, albeit not as bad, but they, they get off with a warning. So no, no penalties for those guys. Yeah, it's just a it's a hard track, as yeah. you say, Campy. It's not a it's not a long track, and we see this all the time. You know, always come out towards the end of qualifying, trying so hard to get out, and then they're all going out at once, and then they all back up. And I know that there's now a rule brought in after uh, Monza a couple of years ago with that absolute nightmare when none of them actually made it across the line. If you remember, yeah. um, that, that trying to maintain a delta, but still just. Come on, guys. It's not that hard, right? You know, just go out a little earlier and, and just get that clean air. Um, yep. Anyway, the other – obviously, the, the biggest uh, qualifier is Lando Norris. Um, and I want to talk about McLaren here because he is absolutely driving the pants off of this car. And, yes, we can compare the Daniel Ricciardo thing, but let's just focus on Lando right now because instead of his talking doing the talking, he's actually let his driving do the talking. Manus <laughs> – what do you think? Yeah, it was a hell of a lap. I mean, I was standing on my chair at that point, um, hoping he would get pulled, to be honest. Um, the last time we've seen McLaren on the front row, Brazil 2012, I believe. Ooh, Lewis Hamilton really? and JB. Jeez. Jeez. So, bloody good for the team. I'm a McLaren fanboy, as everybody probably knows in the <laughs> Discord. So, I'm delighted. <laughs> uh, 
And look, it's showing that the potential is there in that car. So when Danny clicks with this car, it, he's it's gonna be he's gonna be in a car that can grab pole. So that's I'm remaining positive. I'm bullish in the whole thing. Yeah, and that's a good place to be, Campy. It's I mean, it's hard, It's easy to be negative, isn't it, and slip into the oh, I'm giving up hope and everything else. But uh, we got to keep that positivity, surely. Look, I think Danny's. I think well, you're right there, Miles. <laughs> Sorry, it sounds like me. <laughs> um, no, look, I think I think what we've seen in the last two races is that Danny Rick's race base has been really good. Um, last week he was unfortunate to have the power drop out. Um, I think. Look. His times are getting better through – if you look at over the whole weekend, he's consistently closer. He's within that two to three-tenths of Lando in practice instead of the eight to a second-tenths that he's been. He always needs that extra lap to catch up to learn off what Lando's doing at the moment. Now, I, I'm trying to rationalise this then. I put this on the Discord last night. If I'm Daniel Ricciardo and I'm a reporter, I'm looking at him, I'm going, is the car you're driving capable of being within half a tenth of Max Verstappen? I can guarantee his response would be absolutely no way, not a chance. Um, Which tells me, I don't think there's anything going on with the team, but there's got to be something fundamentally wrong with that car. I think if you put Danny Rick in Lando's car, he's going to turn around and go, that is two different cars. That's not what I'm driving because I've never seen a deficit to one of Daniel Ricciardo's teammates like I have seen. Yes, I can understand that the uh, that the car is different to drive and it's taking time to learn and adapt, but we're talking, you know, consistently seven-tenths over one lap. We know one lap Daniel is not a superstar, but he's very capable and he's good enough. He went toe-to-toe with Max Verstappen for three years and beat him. I'm scratching my head. I don't get it. I think he's scratching his head. He doesn't understand it either. It's uh, it's tough to watch, but as an Aussie fan, the train has not left the station yet. We're still picking up passengers. Like Danny Ricardo, get back on that train because when he gets it right, he's a superstar. He's done it for years. He's allowed a bad year in F1 if he has to have one. But I think he'll figure it out. I think he's getting better. It's just not good to watch when Lando's doing half a tenth off Max Verstappen, so. Do we know what that issue was on, was it lap three or four, maybe even lap five last week? Because well, it it came and it, was, it went very quickly. Oh, it was a, it was a, um, it was a what do you call it, uh, software glitch. Yeah. And they managed to um, change the category by switching some modes on the steering wheel, which caught out the, the software glitch or something, So which – that's code for it's happened before. Mm. Yeah, okay. Because he was he was moving forward and things were good, but uh, anyway. Oh, well, but the other thing I will say is Lot Norris isn't fighting for a podium. He's still fighting for fifth at best. Yeah. yeah. Um, which means he's going to drop back positions and Danny Rick's going to move up the six positions or the four positions or the five positions. They're still going to finish that fifth and sixth, I think. Yeah. McLaren, if you look at their race last weekend when they made the decision to let people past Lando um, so that they could concentrate on their own race, uh, I think we're looking at the same sort of thing. So uh, Danny Rick will make up the positions, Lando will drop back, and we'll be looking at fifth and sixth yeah, at the end of the race. McLaren's battles this season is with Ferrari. Um I think that's yep. quite evident in some of their strategy calls. So, um, yeah. Yep. 
Well, we saw it, didn't we, last time? Um, he let Nando, sorry, Lando let Perez through because it just wasn't his his battle to have. Um, but look, I think Campia, I I agree with you um, on some points, but I don't like. It doesn't seem to me that McLaren's the type of team that Andreas Seidel and Zach Brown are the kind of people that would allow, two, you know, two completely different cars. Like Andreas will know the inside and out of both of those cars. I just don't think they're going to be that different. I think what we're seeing here is the rise of an incredibly good driver and someone who is incredibly quick over one one lap because yes, we sort of discounted him for the first couple of years. And yes, he's been a bit lippy in press conferences against Daniel, which he can put himself in the bin for if you can find any room in your bin there, Campy. But realistically, you know, this is, yes, Daniel went toe to toe with Max in that car and Daniel helped, you know, develop that car. He had a head start ahead of Max. Lando's had a head start ahead of Daniel in this one. So yes, he's a quick driver. Yes, the car's a lot faster than it has been, but Lando also helped develop the 2021 car from yep. 2019. So I think there's just a perfect storm going on where Lando is a great driver. The car that has has been developed for this year, he has had a significant hand in doing and he's able to find the limit and push a lot harder towards it like he did in this qualifying lap, which was mega. And it's a great lap. And we know that he likes this track, right? So he did really well last year as well. But it's just how do we find that the when the race washes out and we're at lap 50... Daniel getting closer to Lando because if he can part, if Daniel can do what oh. he did last weekend and pass as many cars as he did, we're potentially going to see Lando drop back to that sort of fifth, sixth position and hopefully Daniel go up towards that seventh, eighth. I'm talking about the last two turns on this track. If you look at how Lando drives through that corner and then you look at a side by side of how Danny Rick drives through that corner, they are two different cars. Lando's car looks planted. It looks like it's on rails and it's not going anywhere. Whereas Danny's car, the front end gets thrown in, the rear's twitching all the time. And as he's going through the final corner and it goes through that little dip and the back end bottoms out before they hit the curb and take off up the straight. Danny Rick's car, his rear end is almost oscillating at times like we've seen those rear tyres do. They are two different cars that they're driving around those corners, and that is why Lando's been able to extract the times out of it. So I'm looking at it just from eyes on TV, and there is no way that those cars are set up the same way. No, I agree with that. And there's no way they're handling the same way because you've got Danny Rick's car, they're supposed to be identical, is going through that corner slower with not as much momentum, not as – probably more braking force than what he needs, et cetera, et cetera. And it's handling worse than a car that's going through it much, much faster. And that to me is telling that could be the way Danny, Danny's setting up the car, but he would have tried to go identical to Lando at some stage this year and see what that looks like. But look, who knows? I'm just frustrated. I am as well. But I think that when I say this in the discord too, there was imagery of, uh, one of Daniel's mechanics doing a two-click adjustment to his front wing in the middle of Q2. So he was still chasing setup in the middle of qualifying yeah. for that exact same reason, Cammy, because Lando's car setup is probably exactly the same as last weekend. Maybe slightly different in terms of just being tuned for quali versus that um, race pace. But Daniel's not comfortable at all, obviously, with that. If that's what you mean in terms of they're not the same car, then yes, I agree. The setups are different and Daniel's chasing himself, which is only going to be doing negative mental things for him. And I also want to raise this point too. It's really going to be very, very difficult the longer we get into the season and the more that 
Lando is out qualifying Daniel for Daniel to be positive about the whole situation. And we have to spare a thought for Michael Italiano too, who will be his, you know, main source of confidence in the, in the, you know, the room afterwards. It's going to be hard. You know, we know that Daniel's going to be his biggest critic and yes, he can talk about getting on and off the train and all that sort of other stuff, but it's going to be harder and harder to get it on top of it. And um, shout out to Italiano for being a bloody legend anyway, but being able probably to support him as much as he can as well. I think they need to go old school. I think those two need to go on a solid two-day drinking Leave it all on the table. Leave it all on the table. Start blowing out and I love you, man. Hug you sort of stuff. Because we've all been there before. Don't worry. We've all been there. It's good for bonding and it's good to get, you know, it opens up a level of uh, not that I don't think Danny Rick is, uh, is honest with his team and the people around him, but just level opens up another level of, hey, this is where I'm at, this is where I'm feeling, you know, and it just the, the bond is created stronger and I think it can only help. So if I'm Danny Rick, just go and take the lads out for beers and, <laughs> you know, start talking guff to each other, like what we do here on the Oz F1 show. Get on <laughs> Whatever it's not called anymore. <laughs> Get on the pod. Hey, I'm on the. Can I just say I'm on this podcast? I didn't even know we were changing the name. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, yeah, he should uh, just get on the Bondi cans around uh, around a fire somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah, get the team around, get the boys around, girls around, and uh, yeah, talk it out. Hey, if it, if he wants to wait till Melbourne in uh, November, yeah, or we can join him. Come down in the morning to Peninsula. We'll put him on for a night. We'll. Turn off all the cameras for work and uh, yeah, have a bit of fun. So. Yeah, I'm keen. Anyway, Manus, what are you excited for for this race, mate? Uh, this race, I'm excited for the start. Actually, um, yeah, we know that Lando will go backwards, probably to P5, set there, protect his tires. But lap one to four, what's he going to do? Is he is he going to make a bolt for it? Turn turn one or turn three, try and take the lead, slow everybody up. Uh, that's going to be exciting to see. And then we've got Lewis, uh, VB, trying to come through, Perez in the mix. Yeah, it's going to be excellent. I'm very much looking forward to that first five laps. And then do what I usually do, which is uh, not watch the first five at all and try and see where DR is in the background. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yes. get to the end of lap one and you're like, oh, fuck, who's leading this thing? So, yeah, <laughs> looking forward to that. <laughs> It's such a battle too because it's like the first opening two shots and you can see him a little bit and you're like, oh, I don't know where he is. What's <laughs> happened? What's, I don't care about the first five. Just show the back ten. Oh, no, why is he back there? Yes, but you're absolutely yeah. right. Um, Campy, before uh, – the other thing that I wanted to raise – sorry, I know I just dropped out there, but um, I, we, need no, to, right. we need to talk about um, how all now of the United Kingdom – uh, is, has put George Russell into the second seat of Mercedes because his qualifying was actually very, 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 very oh, good. He, oh, wow. He was brilliant, but their race pace is rubbish. They're clearly – we've talked about it before. They're clearly setting this car up for George to make some sort of headline yes. moving forward in qualifying. And to his credit, he's getting the job done. He's, uh, you know, on this track – I mean, it's a small track. Um, lap times are low. I mean, we're doing one-minute fours. Like, that's 64 seconds. It's not that bloody long. Um, I mean, and we know that George doesn't make a lot of mistakes. So if he puts it together, you you know, and knowing where the grid is this year with a good engine in it, um, 
He's going to perform well. I mean, he's spanking his teammate, which is exactly what he needs to do. Um, do I think he'll end up in the points, though? Absolutely not. <laughs> well, they don't have the race no, base. No, you're right. They, just, they don't have the race base. He'll drop back. Um, and especially the, with two Ferraris and a McLaren behind him and Seb, too. I mean, you know, and Alonso. Yeah. Uh, these, and even Kimi yeah. last weekend, who's behind Giovinazzi. Like, that's a solid group of people. I mean, let's hope it doesn't go DRS train too early, but there's a yeah. lot of fast cars and drivers behind him. There is. Yeah, the Fer- the Ferrari boys seemed uh, shocked that George got there on a set of mediums. Uh, they certainly weren't expecting to be having to overtake him in the first couple of laps. So, yeah, look, it's good for George. Uh, and prepare for some very arrogant palms. Um, <laughs> England got a good win last night. They're into the semifinals yeah. of the Euros. So, um yeah, that's going to be hard to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. You are not wrong at all. Uh, they lost the World Cup to the uh, South Africans a couple of years ago, a bit of justice. So, <laughs> uh, the other thing yeah. to mention as well is the Dutch fans. I cannot, it oh. is, I can't remember what fans sound like, to be honest, but then to have like the, the round, the tracks, sorry, the microphones around the track just picking up. The fact that when Lewis Hamilton didn't go very fast at all, the roar and applause from the crowd, and then when Max yeah. put it on pole, geez, just uh, it's a vibe, isn't it? I, I'm hopefully, uh, well, Silverstone is full capacity, so that's going to be mega again as well. Um, uh, and hopefully, you know, for the rest of this year, apart, I mean, we're not going to get an Australian race. I know you said in November we can hang out with DR and the boys, but that's not going to be a thing, is it? Uh, potentially when he comes over to Perth in Christmas if uh, – um, dictator McGowan lets anyone in or out of that state, people might be able to get there. Careful. But it's great to have fans back. Well, can I just talk about the Netherlands at the moment for the Dutchies? They've got, they got 15,000 current COVID cases and they're still letting fans get out and about and do their thing. Yeah, that should be something to look out for our state premiers in Australia. You fucking idiots <laughs> have done the worst job of all time. Just look at the Dutchies. They've got 15,000. We've got like 30 or whatever it is, maybe 100. I don't know. I'll give you a bit of leeway. We should get this together. We should have a race in Melbourne come November. We should have fans there and we should be at bloody full capacity. If the rest of the world can do it, so can we. And that's just a preview of Campy's Conservative Column, a podcast by Lakeside Drive for 2022. Uh, but boys, no, but like it's good to see fans around it is. the world. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They're learning to live it. They're learning to sort it out. When the Soviets out, can't figure out our ass from their toes at the moment. So, you guys are still living in a false reality. The fact that you are really the only ones that are open, and every, most of the rest of the country is kind of locked. Out. It just feels odd that that's Brilliant. the case. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying that this morning. It's a bit backwards. Yeah, it doesn't feel natural <laughs> after all this time. Even Daniel Andrews is making sense. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? The holiday's done him well. Um, oh, but yeah, so boys, I mean, look, watch, as you said, what, in, what are we watching for in the race? Well, uh, potentially a two-stop. Uh, the undercut kind of performed pretty well last weekend. Does that mean the same thing? Well, I mean, we've got different tyre compounds, don't we? It loves a bit of tyre chat, Campy. So we've gone one step softer. softer. So. so who knows? Should be faster. Should be. Uh, which they were, just means looks like that- they're all going to be in wats, by the way. 
<laughs> yeah. Come on, Manus. I've don't just, just looked at the weather and I had Bloody hurt. Come on. Uh, at about three Sorry. minutes after the checkered flag is when that will happen. No doubt. Just as the boys, the poor boys yeah. and girls having to pack up the entire grid get absolutely drenched as they bring out the forklifts. Um, and, yes, yeah, so, I mean, look, what can we hope for for Daniel Ricciardo Campy? Um, he starts in 13th. Does he end up in the points this week? What's a successful result for him tonight? Well, we saw what happened last week. Got up to eight pretty quickly past George Russell. Then uh, he only had to make a couple of passes on Alonso to get into that sixth place. I mean, because Lando was always going to finish fifth. Oh, I think if we're McLaren, they're really targeting a fifth and sixth place ahead of both Ferraris. And I think, I think, I mean, Danny Rick's capable of it. He's on the right strategy too. So I think for him, he needs to start on the hard and he needs to go long. He needs to stay out. We need to hope for rain around lap 42 and he gains some time. He might lose some time because he's gone so long, but he gains a whole pit stop on everybody else because they've got an alternate strategy. I think that's what needs to happen. And then he'll storm home in the last 20 laps of the race because he's a wet weather specialist down there and then, uh, he'll beat Lando convincingly and we're all sitting here tomorrow going, yeah, so that's what's going to happen, I think. Um, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward Manus? to. What he said. Yeah, great, good. I think that is a that is a three-time approved Daniel Ricciardo strategy for tonight. Well, lads, yeah. uh, it's been a pleasure to, to pre-drink with you ahead of this uh, and thank you for joining us on Lakeside Drive. F1 podcast, as I said, the MotoGP podcast will be coming out in a couple of weeks. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, if you haven't already, please head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. That makes a huge difference for Sir Algorithm, even though he's a bit of a jerk. It just helps. You can find those details in the description <laughs> below. Uh, but uh, Tommy T, shout out to you, mate. I hope you have a good day in witness protection. Manus, Campy, you're absolute legends. Can't oh. wait to chat to you on Discord tonight. And if you're not on the Discord, jump across so you can harangue us from there. Gentlemen, see you tonight. As as I'm now a meme of my own self with a seagull, let me inhale pretend like there's cool jazz music going behind and <laughs> see how many times I say Oz F1 instead of Lakeside Drive. That's, <laughs> that's going to be the uh, kicker. Can you just can you just explain that for people? Mm. Explain it to me because I don't know what's going on either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, if, you listen, if you listen to the last podcast at the very end, you would no. have heard my um, conversation with Tommy about, should we just do this and not tell Campy? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't listen. I missed out on like the last five minutes of it. Oh, jeez. I mean, it's a good podcast, though. I'll take it personally, I suppose. No, it's a real, no, no, you guys have killer flow. <clears throat>